Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. So not only can God meet us in the mess, I mean, he met me on the very day that I had just left the hospital and had just been um, in the presence of police officers. Not only did he meet me right there, that he's used that mess. I know it's kind of cliche, but he used that mess now to become a message. Only God can do that. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. So what happens when you come face-to-face with imperfection in your own life? Do you beat yourself up? Do you become defensive, grow insecure? Do you ever wonder what purpose your mess-ups can actually play in this world? And if you answered yes to any of those questions, you're going to appreciate our conversation today. You know, we all have a story. And my guest today is Cindy Boltima. And like you, she has a story to share. Cindy also believes that being real is the only way to live. And we're glad she feels that way because it's what we do here on the No More Perfect Podcast. So welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Cindy. Thank you, Jill. I'm so excited to be here with you. Oh, my goodness. Well, tell us just a little bit about yourself. I would love to hear. um, Tell us a little bit about your family, uh, where you live. You know, just give us a little bit of a clue into who Cindy Boltima is. Sure. I am coming to you from West Michigan. Our home is in West Michigan right now, although I grew up in Indiana. I'm married to John. We celebrated 20 years this past year in the midst of a pandemic. We marked 20 years and we have four children. Our youngest is 17 and then our oldest is 26. So we're in that stage where they're getting ready to leave the nest. Some already have. And I love Jesus and I speak, I write, and I also serve as executive director at a ministry called GEMS. Mm, I love that. You know what? You are a fellow Hoosier if you grew up in Indiana. Where did you grow up in Indiana? You know, I was born in a little town called Greensburg, Indiana. My dad went to Purdue University, so he likes to brag that I went to preschool at Purdue in West Lafayette. And then elementary school is in Kokomo, Indiana. So that's kind Mm -hmm. of where I think is my childhood home is Stoplight City, Kokomo, Indiana. Yes. Is Greensburg the one that has the tree coming out of the building? (laughs) Yes. Yes. That is the place that where the, yep, the hospital that was located where I was born. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay. That I just always remember my parents, if we if we drove by there, they always told us, you know, to make sure and look over so that you could see the tree that was coming out of the of like the, 
the courthouse. That was it. The courthouse. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it still does. I should go back and look. That was 50 years ago, but I'll have to road trip down there sometime. Yes. I love that. Well, Cindy, you really have quite a story to share. And I'm not even aware of all of your story. I know some of it. But I would love for you to just share with us a little bit of your own journey in this imperfect world. Mm -hmm. When it comes to my faith story, most are surprised to hear. I didn't come to know Jesus until the age of 26. I grew up in a home that didn't pay a lot of attention to God, Jesus, the Bible. You know, my dad would say he was an atheist or agnostic. And my mom would take us to church on some of the major holidays. But we didn't have a foundation of faith, no Bibles in the home. Jill, even that little song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, I didn't know it. And I was a chubby, red-haired girl with freckles. I was bullied all the time. You know, we talk about bullying more, but we didn't talk about it back then. So I'm sure my mom would have helped. But I just kind of believed what the kids, that what they were saying to me was true. So it's almost like I had these sticky name tags all over me that mm. I was not wanted, that I was fat, that I was rejected. No one would ever pick me. And, and then, you know, I just had this emptiness. They talk about sometimes that God-sized shaped hole in your heart. I had a big one. And so I just tried to fill it with anything and everything. <laughs> kind of like the, the smorgasbord of life that the world offers. I sampled it. So you name it, food, men, alcohol, shopping, even drugs, but nothing worked. And I kind of hit rock bottom at the age of 26 when I was a single mom and um, was using drugs and alcohol every single day, like brushing my teeth and accidentally overdosed on cocaine and nearly lost my life. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. In, in fact, I drove myself to a med center where they called my mom so that she could sign papers so my son wasn't taken into um, foster care. Um, and they did say to my mom on that day, as I was on a gurney, you need to say goodbye to your daughter. We've just notified the hospital downtown that she will be dead on arrival. <gasps> oh, my yes. goodness. Mm -hmm. Cindy. So, mm -hmm. But God oh. had a different plan. Obviously. Yeah. And, and we're not dead. God's not done. So that's the mm -hmm. day that he was able to finally get a hold of my heart. Wow. And how did that happen? How did you feel like you made that connection with God? You know, I came home from the hospital. Police were involved. So it was a very messy situation. And I sat on my bed and I just thought, okay, Cindy, think, think. I had a degree in psychology. So I was going to try to psychoanalyze myself. Like, what are you going to do here? And even then I'm sad because I didn't know that I had purpose, but I knew that my son who was two deserved to have a mom that could get her act together. So I thought, okay, mm -hmm. what are you going to do? And Jill, I thought of this woman who would come into a restaurant where I worked. And I just thought if I could be like anyone, I would want to be like her. Cause I knew I had tried everything that the world said and nothing had worked. And so I thought this woman has something that I want. I'll call her. And so I knew her daughter. I called this woman and told her about the police and the mess and just everything, just gave her the whole big messy story. And she shared with me four words that really changed my life. She didn't say, you need a program. She didn't say, sorry, I'm too busy. I can't help you. Or here, let me give you a phone number. Jill, she said, Cindy, you need Jesus. And I wish I could tell you like the, like the hallelujah chorus went off and it was this you know, divine moment. I didn't even know what that meant. Here I'd grown up in, in Indiana, then West Michigan. I didn't own a Bible. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew I needed something. And I remember just thinking, well, I've, what do I have to lose? I've tried everything. 
Mm-hmm. Jesus is free. I guess I'll give this Jesus thing a try. <laughs> and, right? Like, what do I have to lose at this point? And so she, over the phone, opened the Bible, read scriptures to me, invited me into a personal relationship with Jesus. Again, I didn't understand all of it. I, I just believed her simple faith and hung up the phone, got on my knees and prayed a simple but powerful prayer that not only has changed my life, but my whole family line. Yes, it has. You really did change the dynamics of the future. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So um, a couple of thoughts come to my mind. The first that comes to my mind is for that parent out there that's listening, who has a child that is headed off in the wrong direction, that it is never hopeless. There is mm-hmm. always hope. And mm-hmm. our prayers make a difference because what needed to happen there was that you needed a change from the inside out and God met you in that moment and you responded. So there's just never for that parent that it just sees this child who is, is it's breaking their heart, the choices they're making that, you know, is, is similar to what you were making, but mm-hmm. just what a reminder. It's never hopeless. Yes. yes. There is no one too far gone from God's amazing grace. Keep praying, keep believing. When you run out of hope, lean on your girlfriends or your church community that can offer hope on your behalf. Because our God is a God of miracles. I know because I'm one of them. And without going into the whole story, remember I mentioned that my dad was atheist agnostic. A few years later, my dad saw how the church responded. My church community responded when I had to walk through a situation of deep and intense grief. And my dad at this funeral gave his life to Jesus Christ. So not only has God done a miracle in my life, my kids today have a grandpa who loves Jesus. And the very thing that nearly took my life is the message now that I can share. I don't have all the answers. We know the one who does, but I can speak with empathy and pray with a with not only an authority that comes from Christ, but with an understanding. I'm grateful that I was able to go through that season now because it's helped shape me into the woman that, that I am today. So not only can God meet us in the mess, I mean, he met me on the very day that I had just left the hospital and had just been um, in the presence of police officers. Not only did he meet me right there, that he's used that mess. I know it's kind of cliche, but he used that mess now to become a message. Mm-hmm. Only God can do that. Yes, you're exactly right. Okay. The other thing that comes to my mind is you said there's this woman that I saw in a restaurant. So were you like a a server in the restaurant? Is that what you were doing? So she was a customer, right? Mm -hmm. Tell me what you saw in her that drew you to her. Because obviously, I mean, I think that we underestimate the effect we can have on others. And we don't have to, you know, I remember Billy Graham said, uh, preach and if necessary, use words, right? So she'd been preaching. But she probably hadn't even hardly used words at all. What did you see? Yes. When she would come into the restaurant, she always had a bright smile. She had a contagious laughter. She was kind. She would call me by name. If I waited on her, she was a generous tipper. Not overly generous, but not stingy. 
And she just looked me in the eye and noticed me. And she didn't leave tracks. She didn't leave weird messages on napkins. She didn't touch me on the arm and say, I'm praying for you. She just helped me know that I was seen, that I was noticed, and I mattered. Should say the same restaurant was near a church where a lot of Christians would come in. And we, I'm, I'm sad to say, it's, it's, we keep it real. You keep it real. Mm-hmm. No yes. one wanted to wait on the people after church because they were rude. They were demanding. They stayed a really long time and left less than 15% tip. And this, I didn't think that woman, this woman was in that same category. I learned she ended up going, I learned later she went to the same church, just so different. But again, it was mostly because she took the time to look people in the eye and notice them much like our, our Jesus does. Yes. Yes. Boy, that, when you think of Jesus, I mean, that's what he, he did so well. He saw people, you know, when he was coming in and, and he was in a crowd and he looked up and saw Zacchaeus when he saw the woman at the well, he was a master at seeing them. And boy, we need to learn how to do that better. And so I I love, I love hearing that. Yeah. I I think of that almost every day because I'm so tempted, you know, walking through an airport on my phone at the grocery store, texting my kids, all of those things. And so I try, I I try to be like Carol. That was the name of the woman. I try to be like Carol and look people in the eye, call them by name. Even if it's at the dry cleaner, my coffee shop, barista, whatever, like, Hey Susie, how are you today? You can make all the difference. It can. And it usually freaks them out because they're like, how did you know my name? And they forget that they're wearing a name tag. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I know I do that, especially in the grocery store when I'm checking out. I try to always use their name. And a lot of times they are. They're just like, wait a minute. How do you know me? (laughs) I love that. Oh, so powerful, though. So very, very powerful. So, you know, what I love is that you have really gone from being an addict to being an overcomer. And now you're a speaker and a ministry leader and a Bible teacher. You know, what do you feel like uh, has been really a or has been some important pieces of you making that transition? I mean, you obviously didn't just, you know, it wasn't like an immediate U-turn and you were on some stage somewhere, but talk us through what that journey has looked like a little bit. Sure. And thanks for the opportunity to do so, because I would never want someone to think that I got on my knees, I prayed this prayer, and suddenly it was rainbows and unicorns. Jesus <laughs> can do that. Yes. Not my life experience. It was a lot of hard work. You know, um, Carol and her family, they they bought me my very first Bible. They hooked me up with Christian counseling. I quit my job where I worked because I knew that I needed new friends. I stopped going places where I had used drugs. So for years, I wouldn't go into certain restaurants because I had used so many drugs there. So it's like a whole list of things that I did and I continue to do so that I can live a sober life. So it wasn't just like, Oh, everything like changed. And I just like, Oh, it's, I'm a whole new creation. I was a new creation, but I needed to live like a new creation because I still had a messed up mind. So one of the things that was super helpful, obviously Christian counseling, getting to the root, but also God's word. You know, I remember when I would open up my Bible and I would tuck my little Jake into bed and would read it with his Fisher Price flashlight. And I would just think, how come no one ever told me how amazing God's word is. You know, those name tags that I had been wearing, they don't define me. They don't have to define you. 
that God says that we're accepted just the way that we are, red hair, freckled, all of it is beautiful to him, that we've been handpicked, chosen, that he had picked me to be Jake's mom, that I may have, may have made a mistake, but I wasn't a mistake. So God's word really transformed my mind. Mm-hmm. And I just prayed one time, Jill, God, I'm so sorry. I never knew this. Like anytime, anywhere you want me to share, God, you lead, I'll follow. May it not be said on my watch, no one ever told me. Well, Jill, I had no idea he was going to take me up on my offer. Like, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I just, I just thought I, I can't have it that people don't know this. And so, I, you know, I was the shy girl in the classroom always that didn't really want to be called on. But I just said, God, you, you lead. And I just tried to be faithful to this prayer that I had offered to God because he's always been so faithful to me. So to this day, I've never asked to speak anywhere. But people would ask me to share my story. They eventually asked me to put it in a book. They made a TV documentary out of my story, like all of these things. But God gives all of the glory. I always think if God can use a donkey, then he can use a ginger, right? Like <laughs> I, I just said, like, God, here I am. Use me. And so, um, yeah, he, he can use anyone. Mm, I love that. So you now lead a ministry uh, called Gems. Tell us a little bit about what Gems is and what your passion mm-hmm. is for that. Yeah. Gems stands for Girls Everywhere Meeting the Savior. And Gems is a global ministry. We've been around for 63 years, so I'm not the founder, but I've been a part of the team for four years now. And mm-hmm. we serve girls from California to Canada to Kenya and everywhere in between. And it's really based on Titus to this mentoring program to have women look girls in the eye and remind them to, just like Carol, you are seen, you are known, and you are loved. And it's kind of a plot twist. I wasn't looking for this opportunity. I was at home with my kids and writing a few books and doing some speaking things on the weekends. And God kind of did a plot twist and brought me to gems. But I can see now in his sovereignty why he would allow me to have this amazing opportunity. Because one of the things I'm most passionate about is for girls and women, for everyone, but especially our little girls, to know the truth, God's truth, that they are loved, period. You don't have to earn it or strive for it, lose weight for it, have better grades, have more TikTok followers. God's word says we're loved, period. So for for me, for grown-up girls and little girls that put a question mark right there, so passionate about helping raise up a new generation of girls that would know, wait a minute, I am loved, period. Yes. Oh, and I love the, I uh, just love the mission um, behind that, you know, because especially when we're growing up, we are like wet cement and we really need to, we need to make sure that while the semen is wet, those are the messages that are coming into our young girl's hearts. And so it's a, I think it is so very important and obviously so very personal for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's not easy being a girl today. We could make a whole list from A to Z, the challenges that our girls are faced with today from anxiety, bullying, cutting, depression, eating disorder, all the way to Z, zits. (laughs) But so we, (laughs) right. But when a girl knows the truth of whose she is and who she is, everything changes. And I believe with all of my heart that lies don't stick to truth-filled girls. So what a what amazing opportunity we have through our 5,000 plus mentors all over the world to help girls know that truth, that you are loved, 
period. Mm, so powerful. So let's talk about some mom stuff. Here you were, you made this this decision to accept Christ. You started learning about how to live with Jesus as your leader. You added more children. You got married and added more children to your family. And so, you know, I can only imagine that it was challenging for you in that you had never seen in real life, like had the role model of a Christian mother. So what did that look like for you to kind of blaze a trail where you actually hadn't seen somebody do it? That is a fantastic question. I would say there are two parts to that. Like on the one hand, absolutely true. I had to learn a whole new way to parent and to live. At the same time, I had been in a ministry position. My, you know, like, like quick snapshot. I, after I came to know Jesus, met someone who was engaged to be married. He ended up dying in an accident, met my husband now, and then get married. I'm in a huge ministry position at a mega church. And then we have three children in four years. So I had three in diapers. And so I said, tired. Like, how do we make it through? So on the one hand, I was dealing with like, wow, Lord, I thought I was going to serve at this church and we were going to change the world. And now I change diapers and onesies all day. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there was that, the loneliness factor that many moms experience. And then at the same time, and Lord, remember, I have no idea how to do this. And so I'm grateful for my husband. I feel like we made a good team because he knew the truth. He, he went to church twice on Sundays. Like he knew the Bible verses, but in this journey, the journey from going from an addict, I wasn't quite an overcomer yet, but on this journey with Jesus, I knew that God was as near to me as my very breath. So I wanted my children to know and was passionate about helping them know and understand not just the Bible verses, but God's very presence in their life. And my husband, having grown up in a Christian home, helped provide a good foundation for that. But wow, did I have a huge library, every devotion, every book, I devoured it, usually in like five minutes of quiet time that I had while my children were banging on the door or something. But (laughs) it, it can be done. I guess all of that to say that we can grow up in a home where we didn't go to church on Sundays twice. We didn't have family devotions around the dinner table. And we can still try and learn a new way to raise up a generation of children that know and love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're learning right along with them. Like yes. it's not, yeah, you know, all we have to do is just maybe be one step ahead of them. I think we have these expectations that, I need to have all the answers, but we've just got to be one step ahead. And, you know, I was raised in a Christian home, but we didn't pray as a family except at like dinner time and bedtime. Well, I wanted something more than that. I was learning about prayer in my life and how God was, you know, available at all times. And that, you know, we didn't even have to bow our head and close our eyes to pray. I just wanted to be able to just talk to God. And I learned that was okay. So I wanted to teach my kids how to do that. But literally, I was just one step ahead of them in learning that process. Yes, yes. And I don't even know that at all times I was one step ahead. Like a lot of my foundational Bible knowledge comes from the storybook Bible. As I was reading to my kids, I was like, wow. I mean, Jill, I didn't even know Jeremiah was in the Bible at first. I thought Jeremiah was a bullfrog. 
<laughs> so, so someone, that just dated me, right? But like just but that's but to have a one year old, a two year old, a three year old at home, that's what we did. And I was learning at the same time as they were. Or like I had a little prayer book and we would just put our hands on it. I was just making it up as as we were going along. I just knew that I wanted I wanted them to know God and to know his love. Mm, yes. Yes. You know, I'm just thinking today, there is is very likely someone who is feeling overwhelmed right now, maybe has even lost their joy as a parent. Just maybe they are knee deep. They got three under three, you know, or something along that lines. What encouragement would you offer them, Cindy? How could you encourage their heart? I think I would share the same encouragement that was shared with me. And I think my encouragement would be parent within your personality. Those words really helped shape a lot for me in my parenting journey. I was definitely caught in the snap of the comparison trap. You know, again, I had gone from this ministry leader position to being a stay-at-home mom, which I didn't think would ever be in the cards for me. I felt God was disappointed with me, felt like I must have done something wrong, or who was I to think that God would use a girl like me with a past like mine? So many lies were still in my head. And so, because now I know those are all lies that God can and will anyone. He's looking for the heart, not the perfect past. Hallelujah. And mm-hmm. I I was trying to be like everyone else. I was trying to be like my next door neighbor who was the homeschool mom who baked everything homemade or my organized mom who had all the charts and schedules and was out the door by 8 a.m. And I would give my my girls like Dora fruit snacks and people would say, do you know what kind of preservatives are in there? And I was like, I was happy. I brought the snack. Like, and I would say to my husband, John, I think I'm ruining our children. I'm putting preservatives in them. I don't bake things homemade. It was, it was two years of really extreme loneliness. And I had lost my joy seeing a Christian counselor at the time. And she even said to me, I think this is a desert season for you, Cindy. And I was like, Oh wow. I paid you a hundred dollars to tell me what, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But then someone said, Cindy, parent within your personality. So I went to the bookstore with a blank, you know, target notebook and said, God, I don't even know who I am. What what is, how do I parent within my personality? And I thought of what brings me joy. And I thought, you know, I love parties, clean parties now, like drug free, but I I love parties. I love like shamrock shakes on St. Patrick's Day, all those things. I love being the go-to house. I love when people all hang out. Like that's me. I'm not, I'm not the baker. I'm not the organized one. I'm not the one. Bless those. The bakers, please bring your baked goods my way. That's not <laughs> me. But when I realized I could have joy as I parented within my personality, it made it changed everything for me. So that would be the same encouragement, Jill, that I would offer a listener that's feeling like they lost their joy or they're wondering, did God really pick me? Am I messing up my kids? I would just say, figure out, maybe same thing, carve out, even if it's five minutes as you're sitting in the driveway or the bathtub, like who did God make you to be? And parent within your personality, what brings you joy and do that? Because that's going to help you be the best mama for your kids when you find your joy. Uh, I absolutely agree. And you know, you don't know this, but in my book, Better Together, because you're not meant to mom alone, one of the things that we did is we put a mothering personality quiz in that book. Mm. 
And it's actually available online. So we'll make sure and put that in the show notes for those of you that are listening, if you've never taken that. Um, but it that was a, a part of my journey too, Cindy, is I had one friend and I was always, I loved spending time with her, but we were just so different. And it caused me to really question myself. And I felt less than in so many ways because I didn't do things like she did things, but I wasn't being true to me. And so I really had to learn, like you said, who I was, what, what brought me joy. And, you know, one of the places that we talk about in the quiz is, are you a spontaneous mom or a structured mom? And both are are completely fine. One is not more right than the other, but a spontaneous mom is going to possibly be the one that's out there, you know, jumping in the puddles with her kids. And a structured mom is going to be the one that's going to arrange summer schedule and make sure that they're, you know, doing certain things. And guess what? Both are great. You are the mom that your that God designed for your kids. Amen. You may not be a perfect mom. None of us are, but you are the perfect mom for your kids. Love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, my heart also is strong for empty nest moms and you are kind of in that empty nest season of life. You know, you've really got at least two that are kind of out 19 and Mm -hmm. 26, 17 and 18, right on the edge there. So what wisdom would you offer to parents who are navigating the launching years? I would say um, pray a lot and and be prepared. I was not prepared. I thought, oh my goodness, I am raising my kids to have roots and wings. I'm going to say fly, birdie, fly. And then when my son left the nest at when he went off to college, and it was college in our same town, I was a complete disaster. Even one time I remember my little girl like bringing me the Bible like because I was in the bathroom on the floor crying my eyes out. And she like brought me my Bible like, mom, do you need your Bible? And I was like, I need Jesus Christ himself like right here, right now. I just was not not prepared. And I would say embrace this season. You know, it, it is part of life. Embrace the season. Figure out if there are new traditions, new habits that you can do in the middle of the season. And then another thing that was helpful for me was to feel my feelings. I'm not great at that. I, as I've shared with my past, I think my tendency would be to stuff, numb, say, I'm fine, I'm fine. But I realized I need to feel this. Someone once said, it's not unique to me, but they said, feel, deal, heal. And that's what I tried to do. Like, Lord, I need to feel this. I'm really sad. It's okay for me to be sad. Lord, I, I, you know, I miss him. I miss, you know, I'd go to set the plate at the dinner table and I'd be like, oh my goodness, we only need five plates. Like, wow, but feel it. Like, just take a moment to feel it and not just drink another Diet Coke, but like feel it and then Mm -hmm. figure out healthy ways to deal. Again, one thing that I did because my son was in town, I said, hey, what about on Wednesdays? You don't have classes. Could we have breakfast every Wednesday at this local breakfast shop? He was like, great. I even said, I'll pay you $20 every time. I'm going to give you a little extra money. And so every Wednesday he was there <laughs> and it was fantastic. That became our little habit. My, my son now that's 19, he's in college in a different state. So we can't have those breakfast meetings. So we figured out what night works best for him to have a weekly just connection with mom and dad. So just figure rather than just staying stuck to feel like, okay, how can I deal with this? What are some new habits, actions that would help? the connection, but give them space. 
And then just ask God to, to heal us. Lord, I don't need to be broken here. It's part of the journey. But I just want to bring it to you rather than it being some big gaping wound. It's normal. It's natural. Talk to moms that have been there. Read the great books that are out there to help prepare. And But then just acknowledge. like th- This can be hard. And for some moms, maybe they're like, oh my goodness, I've been waiting for this day. And they don't expect it. But for me, I was just a little bit surprised. And yeah, now it's true. We, we should talk again in like three years because now that my girls are leaving the nest, <laughs> I, I, I might have to re-listen to this a couple of times to remember because <laughs> I think boys leaving the nest will be different than when my girls leave the nest as well. Yeah, it is a little bit of a different relationship and I can see that. So did you find, have you found that parenting adult children is less messy than when they were little? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> nope. Someone once said something like little kids, little messes, bigger kids, bigger messes. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a little bit of truth to that. Let's be honest, we're all messy, right? Like, I don't know that until we get to heaven, we won't have messes. They're just different. The needs are so much different. Can I had three in diapers and a son that played travel hockey. So I had a full season when I had little ones. And then I would speak to mobs groups. And then I was thinking, oh my goodness, just take a nap, put them in the crib, it's fine. And now I realize like, wow, those kind of, in some ways were the easier years because now I have kids that are driving off. I, I have to trust that I've done the work, that God has, is going to do the work, that they, they are going to put those faith choices in action. I've found that the needs are still there. It's just different little, a lot more of the physically demanding, you know, this to be true too, right? Like you're just tired where now it's like the emotional needs, the conversations about the world, helping them figure out their own faith. What do they believe? How will they live? So all at all times, I think what stays the same is that they still need a mom. They still need their dad. It, it just may look different, but yes. that is what stays the same. Yes. But I don't know that it's easier at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I agree. And you're right. I would say prayer is probably one of your biggest tools. You know, one of the things I talk about in Empty Nestful Life is pray, don't say. And boy, we really, you know, because we want to fix their problems. We want to tell them what to do. But sometimes they've really got to struggle through it themselves for it to be a strong internal conviction for them. And they've got to figure things out without us mm-hmm. telling them what to do. But man, mm-hmm. we spent 18 years telling them what to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's, it's kind of our habit, right? <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. I thought about that too, because it's easy for me to want to jump in and hop and problem solve and do all of that. But I've learned I don't want to rob them of that blessing. And again, I see now the mess that I was in. I've been in so many messes, but the mess that I now call like my rock bottom there's no, I'm so grateful I walked through that because again, it's helped shape me for today. I hope and pray my kids would never hit a bottom like that. But I do know that it's in the messes that God meets them there and can help strengthen their character, strengthen those faith muscles, those critical thinking skills, those problem solving skills. So I don't want to rob them of those opportunities. Very, Not easy though. Yes. Very, very true. Well, this has been such a rich conversation, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story with us and your wisdom. 
Well, thank you. And thanks for creating a safe place where we can acknowledge that we don't have it all together. We are not perfect. So appreciate you (laughs) and the difference you're making in the kingdom, Jill. Thank you. So where is the best place for people to find out about you and to find out about gems and what gems might offer to them, particularly uh, for if they have girls, what are the age, what's the age range for gems? Seven, like first through eighth grade like right in there. So if you have some tween girls and you're like, I'm not sure what to do, or even those itty bitty girls, like we would love to serve moms, mentors, ministry leaders. It's gemsgc.org. So kind of like gems girls club, gemsgc.org. Lots of free resources, free webinars, all the things. Again, that A to Z list, we want to help be a guide to the moms. We don't have, again, we don't have all the answers, but we know the one who does. We just want to remind moms, mentors, ministry leaders, you're not alone. And then if there's anyone that I encourage on their faith journey, they just need a reminder again that there's no one too far gone from God's mm-hmm. amazing grace. Probably just my website, cindyvolfema.com. Gotcha. Would you would you be willing to pray for our listeners today and, uh, and just it. close this out? Oh, thank you. Yes, yes. Lord, we lift up anyone listening today, God, and especially I think of those that are feeling less than, left out, all alone. God, would you come in and infuse everyone with fresh hope, fresh purpose, God, a Mm -hmm. fresh joy, fresh strength, and a fresh reminder, God, that if they're not dead, God, you're not done. And that you are a God who sent Jesus into a mess and that you will meet every single one in the mess. And God, how we thank you that your message, the message of Jesus is never shame on you, but shame off you. And for any mom who has made a mistake, remind them, we all make mistakes. It's mm-hmm. messy, We, but that they are not a mistake. And God, that you did not make a mistake to give them the exact children that they have in their care. God, we thank you too that we have a new chance, that you are God of new days and new opportunities. Today is a new day to make a new tradition with your kids, if you would like, but to experience your fullness and freedom by seeking you, Lord, every step of the way. Thank you for Jill and her ministry, God. Thank you for the freedom and the authenticity that she offers to us as women to acknowledge we don't have it all together, but we can seek the one who does. We love you, God. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in his powerful redeeming name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.